Welcome to the Weekly Hijack. Hello, folks. This is Nick. And this is Tim. And this is a new episode of The Prisoner. That's right. And this episode is... Hammer into Anvil. Tim, did we enjoy this episode? <laughs> we did. <laughs> this was a very interesting episode of uh, number six declaring war on the current number two. Um, <laughs> like all out war. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this, uh, the number two in this episode, you start off as being very intimidating and rather sadistic, as uh, yeah. according to... He, I mean, he basically ends up killing this woman in the beginning. Yeah. He would... and, and number six is like, I'm going to get you for that. Yeah. Basically bullying this woman and she winds up throwing herself out of the window, yeah. killing herself. And number six is like, yeah. Of course, you realize this means war. Yeah. He was Bugs Bunny. That's what you'd be saying. And <laughs> to do that, number six initiates this whole acting like he's writing messages about basically has his whole campaign that convince this number two that he number six is actually a plant that is reporting on number two and his progress to his hires up and basically works the whole turns the whole system into like a paranoia against this guy i mean it's kind of genius because the entire show is about how you can't trust anyone and number two just becomes the victim of everything they do all the time uh-huh i mean Early on, I was asking myself, okay, does this work? Yeah. Like, would, w- would they not just, like, think, oh, he's just saying random stuff to throw us off? Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of was waiting for someone to lampshade that. The part that works for me is the way he does kind of tie it into this whole system of paranoia that mm-hmm. the village is cultivated, that he's turning it against them. In that sense, that works. But I do kind of wish there was some early on, at least someone had at least said, He's probably just making it. He's probably just playing yeah. with us. Yeah, I, I thought that early on. Like, you should know this number six is pretty clever. Uh, on the other hand, I think the only thing, and I felt the same way, but I think what they hope to do is he's in there and then he gets the call from, I'm assuming, number one or something, saying like, mm. no, no, I don't need this. And you could tell that he was a f- very intimidated. I think that was supposed to play even more than, mm, that's than, a- than it did for me at first. But looking back, I'm like, okay, that six read that as deep array paranoia on the part of number two. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think I, I agree with you. I think there should there have been nice to have something extra early on saying, like, why do you think number six is, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the other thing you could read into this is that being that this number two seemed particularly more sociopathic than mm-hmm. previous. Uh, previous number twos just feel have this air of gentility like we've yeah. talked about before and feeling like we're in control. We got This guy seemed already a little, just the way that he was threatening with a sword point. Yeah, straight up. Straight up. I guess you could read some, again, into that. Like, this guy is already a little bit more unhinged than some of the other ones. And I'd actually half thought that at the end he was going to point that out. Like, hmm. well, I guess modern shows have been like, I saw this and I turned it against you. But this was actually more satisfying because at the end he's like, it's just so great. He's like, don't turn me in. You're going to turn yourself in. So whoever's on the other end of that line gets a call from number two saying, there's a security breach in number two right now. (laughs) Which is just... mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's cold, but it's satisfying. It is. (laughs) Uh, What did you think of this, ladies? That was awesome. (laughs) Boy, it was just hilarious to see number two poking the dickens or to see number six poking the dickens out of number two and confusing him so much and so thoroughly that was delicious (laughs) anything that 
I think they must have been having a lot of fun with this one um, because can we just talk a little bit about the duel? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was bizarre. So, okay, this version of number two has this uh, hit, hit man, basically, his right-hand man. Well, number 14? Number 14, yeah. I think, yeah. They were in coots the whole time. Um, or were they? Anyway, at some point, number 14's like, I don't like you, number six. I wish I could have a chance to, like, really teach you what's what. And and number six is like, fine, you want to go? Let's go, man. Um, in a much more British way. Uh, so you think that they're about to, like, you know, have a fencing match or something. A hard cut to them both in red jumpsuits on trampolines. Red puffy jumpsuits. Yeah, red puffy jumpsuits with a, a water in between them. And I don't know what, like, okay, so the, the fighting on this show is still, has always been kind of this, we've never really talked about this on the podcast, I don't think, but is this kind of like faux 60s fight stuff, mm -hmm. like slightly better than some of the fighting you'd see in original Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen uh, number six do like Kirk's padded double fisted smash thing. Smashed stuff. It's already kind of ridiculous. This was, I don't know what they were doing. They were bouncing on trampolines, trying to and grapple. Fighting, yeah. Trying to grapple each other, except they didn't look choreographed at all. It's like, what? <laughs> I was trying to figure out if it's a, like a village weird thing, like the rotating seesaw thing, or if it was like some weird 60s thing to like begin with. Martial arts style. No, no it was of. weird. I, we had never seen anything like this in the on the show before. And it was it's, a hardcore riff tracks moment right there. <laughs> moment of zen. <laughs> that was amazing. It was amazing. Best uh, best fight scene we've seen on this sh on the weekly hijack since TKO, TKO. On, <laughs> on Babylon Five. If you don't know that, we go check out that. Just, episode. just keep punching each other in the face. <laughs> oh man, yes, yes. Th thank you, Natasha. That was. <laughs> That was a priceless moment for whatever it was. I mean, it was ridiculous, but this whole episode was kind of much more lighthearted than most of them. So it was nice. It was. It's funny. Whenever you see number six going around planting his like little breadcrumbs of of fake conspiracies, you have this like really quirky jazz music going on. It felt something like out of Pink Panther, like a Pink Panther cartoon, kind of this like cool. I don't know what my favorite of it. I mean, the record was particularly inspired. <laughs> Where he just, he goes to the store and plays like six seconds of a record. Well, he gets all six records and then just plays six as if he's timing them or something. Like all these like little things like he's, they're looking for coded messages and he, he buys a cuckoo clock and they're like, it's a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he keeps having his, his number two, keeps having his lab people analyze this stuff and they can't find anything. Like it's a blank piece of paper. What do you want from me? <laughs> it's wonderfully fiendish in the opposite way that we normally get. <laughs> and it gets more and more cr I just out there, like the message that's the nursery rhyme. <laughs> That he's, he's, he's sure it's a code and they put it in the computer and it comes out and it's just the nursery rhyme and yeah he goes up to number 14 is like just talks nonsense to him uh, and just yeah it was great also I'd like to mention the record that number 6 was testing at the beginning and intentionally looking suspicious when he was doing nothing the Laurelisian suite by Bizet through the rest of the episode, the soundtrack writers played with that main theme from Laura Lysian. Oh. And, like, permutated it different ways and cut different parts of it out. And, nice. Mm -hmm. and, and played with it through this, throughout the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. That oh. was neat. 
That's nice. That's what we need a musician on uh, on our show to point out. <laughs> I mean, last episode we all heard "Pop Goes the Weasel" occasionally. Although I don't. Yeah. That's been this come up several times throughout. Oh, has it? Over I think the even like the episode one or two there was playing. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, kind okay. of a theme apparently. <laughs> but even the like one lady was like humming it when she was trying to serve the chocolate. Hmm. Yep. I wonder what the what what's the the hidden meaning behind that? I don't know. Maybe it's referring to like a Jack in the Box. We're constantly like. I don't know. Like a toying with you sort of thing? I do it, you know, this was just a lot of fun, but I guess if you want to do, not that we always do deep reads and stuff, but it is it is a good commentary on just how a system of paranoia will... Can backfire? Can backfire, yeah. I mean, I mean, you see that in sometimes, in other TV shows, and not in the, to this extent, but I think sometimes even in totalitarian governments where the mm. the people in charge get as paranoid as anyone else does. Yeah. And sometimes it's much more serious effects. Like yeah. They, exa- no, exactly. They say part of Russia's whole thing right now is that Putin's advisors are terrified to, mm-hmm. to do anything about him. And he's and he's terrified himself. He's so self-isolating. Yeah. It's a nasty uh, snake eating itself. So this was a very humorous version. And it was just so nice to see six. And I can see where, where is this in the, the fan list. Oh. It seems like it should be about here for me because he knows what's going on. He know that he knows how the system works, so he can play with it. Well, and it, it's pretty accurate. I mean, this was number ten in the broadcast order. The fan uh, orders rank it somewhere from ten to fourteen. Okay. Uh, so there's, I see two fourteens, two twelves, three twelves. So because he obviously knows the system well enough to play with it, he knows what's yeah. gonna. He knows that if he does such a thing, they're going to test it, or they're going to do this. Or uh-huh. Our poor observer got fired. <laughs> That's right. He's so. been an observer for a while. Although I feel like even in the last episode, the observer was someone different. So I don't know. Maybe, yeah, there's maybe the, it, just, it could just be different shifts. But we had definitely true. seen that observer before, before yeah. for quite a while. But yeah, it, it does remind me of the last one where we he was really messing with the number two and got that guy fired. Mm-hmm. The, the whole dream sequence. Yeah. These middle, well, we'll just say they're middle ones. Just that he's much more confident. He's like, okay, I know I'm stuck here, but I'm not going to let you get away with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really, the humor of it really often has, feels like that. that's a, what they say about humor undercutting authority. That, mm-hmm. Like, it, you make fun of it that kind of shoots the, the legs out from underneath something that deserves to be ridiculed. yeah. yeah. Yeah, very so, effective. I mean, it's interesting when he plays the role of basically good guy or defender in this messed up world. You know, in this case, mm-hmm. in many many ways, he was like, well, that was wrong what you did. I'm taking you down. And then he just spends the entire episode being the agent of chaos. Mm-hmm. I mean, even poor um, poor Butler guy gets dismissed. <laughs> That's true. It is, it is like oh, Avatar Last Airbender, Azula, the, mm-hmm. the series finale. Uh, starts firing all her people left and right because she, mm-hmm. suddenly she can't trust anyone. Yep. Yeah, this kind of, um, it definitely eats itself. <laughs> yeah. All right, well. <laughs> you know what, actually, just one, the very beginning where he's talking to the the lady, 73 or whatever, he's saying like, oh, he wasn't faithful to you. You know, it's a whole like, oh. so you got this whole, this whole episode is based on the idea of like, what you thought is true, you get betrayed. And, you know, and he's swimming in that idea that you can't trust people. That's an um, interesting point. Yeah, number number two is taunting the lady who eventually killed herself yeah. about her her husband's unfaithfulness. Yeah, and yeah, he, he's much slimier, more malicious number two than we've seen largely for, for sure. And again, I think it, you kind of need that kind of character for this to epi- work for this episode yeah. to work. Yeah, yeah. enjoyable. 
Yep. Certainly one of a kind. Of, um, yeah. Every episode feels unique and yet part of part of what this overall package of what the show is. Well, and it's, this show wouldn't work unless you could make each one this unique slice of... Take this world they create and do something, you know, look at some different angle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, it does really well. I can see why this is a cult classic because it's... Yeah. I mean, it has weird points, but it's generally pretty strong writing, or at least attempting to be doing something unique. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's been fun to re-explore what episodic TV could be. Because mm-hmm. nowadays everything is so... I've, we've said this before, but I just find it fascinating. It, it's so uh, sequential storytelling. And the idea is like, okay, well, let's just do these capsule episodes yeah. here. And, and how do you explore that concept? But yeah, it's been fun. Um, I hope you're enjoying it too. You can check out all of our episodes of The Weekly Hijack as well as our other podcasts, Derailed Trains of Thought, where we examine all aspects of storytelling for the creator and the consumer, as well as Let's Finally Watch This, where we have gone through classic movies over the course of the 20th century. We've done a whole season of that. Go check out both of those shows at DerailedTrainsOfThought.com. But until next time, for more Prisoner, uh, this is Tim. This is Nick. And Janelle is here, and Natasha's in the other room. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.